You're listening to the Strong Towns Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the Strong Towns Podcast. My name is Andrew Burleson. I'm with Strong Towns, obviously. I'm going to be guest hosting for Chuck today a little bit. We're going to do something a little bit different. We have Chuck on the podcast today, but he's going to in the role of our special guest. We haven't had a podcast in a couple weeks. That's because Chuck's been really busy touring the world, having a little vacation R&R. So Chuck, why don't we uh, start by, why don't you tell us what you've been up to the last couple weeks? Yeah, you know, Jim's making me work. Uh, so <laughs> making you work. Yeah, you know, well, what a raw deal. It's funny because pre Jim, <laughs> Jim's our executive director, Jim Kuman. Pre Jim, I used to have all this like spare time on the road, which was actually wasted time sitting in hotel rooms doing nothing. Those were times when I would like sit and write. I'd bring my podcast gear sometimes, sit and do podcasts. So imagine like pathetic me sitting in a hotel room, <laughs> you know, in my shorts doing a podcast now, all by myself. <laughs> Chuck, I've seen you in a hotel room sitting in your shorts. So, uh, yeah, it's a pretty sad sight. But now, you know, he's got me so darn busy. When I go to a place, he always lines up like two or three events and these member things. And, you know, it's really good. It keeps me very busy and very active. But by the end of the day, I'm just completely shot. And, you know, I don't have like all that free time. So the last like three weeks, I wrote this long series in kind of intense series about transportation policy in Minnesota. I wanted to do it because I think it was applicable to the debates that we're having everywhere around the country. I mean, ours is not that much different than everybody else, but I was shocked by how like mentally exhausting that was, how worn out I was after pouring out what was like 10,000 words by the end of the week. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, well, and it was not just the act of writing, but the act of like sitting down and thinking through what you're writing. It was really almost like a painful experience. And when I got done with that, I like literally got on a plane and went on vacation with my family and just like left it all. I didn't bring a computer. I didn't check my email on my phone. I didn't check my text messages. Uh, <laughs> so an actual vacation. Yeah, I actually shut everything You know, that's kind off. of a novel thing. People don't do that as often No, no. I didn't read the news. In the pre-digital <laughs> communication era, yeah, that was pretty common, you know, right? a vacation would, by necessity, mean you were kind of mm-hmm. cut off, right? Exactly. But these days, we just take it all in our pocket. Yeah, well, I got back, and I'm like, so a Malaysian airliner disappeared? Weird. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and, you know, I hadn't heard any of that. You know, it was important for me to be very present with my family too for that because this winter has been kind of crazy since we got through Christmas and this year has been kind of crazy. So I did that and then I got back and I was back 24 hours and then off to Florida where I did a series of curbside chats and workshops and Jim had lined up this new thing. We're testing out this Q&A thing. Oh my gosh, that was incredible. So you give a curbside chat, and by the time people get through the curbside chat, their brain's going to explode. It's been an hour and a half. And what we did in these two in Sarasota and also in Stewart, Florida, is we just like adjourned then. No questions. No, this was the presentation. Uh, no questions. We just adjourned. Right. right like, okay. thanks for coming. Tomorrow morning, there'll be a Q&A session. Well, you get there in the morning. Everybody's had like 12 hours to mull things over a little bit. Yeah. 
And then you got a full two hours dedicated to Q&A. That was the best two Q&A sessions we've ever had. They were really intense. They were exhausting for me because it was a lot of questions and a lot of conversation. Yeah, and you gave people time to Google things. So totally. uh, they're prepared. Yeah. So when they came, they were now, what prepared. What was your turnout? You know, how many people were at the chat versus how many people came back for the Q&A? Oh, I would say you were getting 30%, maybe 40% back. It's pretty good. Yeah. No, I was thrilled. Yeah. The Q&A was stellar. I mean, it was really, really good. You stuff. know, that's interesting too, because that's kind of a self-selecting thing. I've noticed in a lot of, a lot of times when you give a presentation of any kind and you have Q&A at the end that there are whatever, half the audience is just really antsy to get out of there. Yeah. And they're sort of fidgeting and thinking right. about how right. long, how many questions do I have to listen to before it's polite to leave? Right. You know, right. and those people in a way suck the energy out of the room. In yeah. a way, having that split up, you kind of have the people right. who really want to discuss this. Right. And they're fresh and they've had time to think yeah. about it. You know, you've been there. I mean, you you and I traveled all over Idaho. Yeah. The chat like continues to evolve. Yeah. I mean, you would find it to be substantially different than it was a year ago. Yeah, I'm sure. when, if I would describe it in two words, it's gotten a lot tighter mm-hmm. and it's gotten a lot more sledgehammer to the chest kind of thing. I mean, it's more. It's, yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, <I don't. laughs> it's gotten like even more like knock the wind out of you kind of thing. It's yeah. gotten a way more powerful. I would go two hours sometimes. Now it's rare, like an hour, 20 minutes is the max. Yeah. But it's so tight. It used to be when I was giving the curbside chat that I was like figuring it out too as I went. And I was trying different things and goofing around with different things. And now I've found I'm almost gotten to where it's a performance, like a play that you're in. Because a lot of the lines that tight. Yeah. A lot of the lines now are lines that I do again and again and Mm -hmm. again and again. And I'm not goofing around with the delivery of them to try to get the delivery right. It's actually done like this is tight. This is how you make this point where people are going right. to get it. And you can do it with the fewest <laughs> words and the highest impact. You know, it's interesting. I can relate to giving a presentation that way. And I feel like the upside of that is when it's a fresh crowd, that's, you can make such an incredible impact. Because yeah. You've practiced the delivery, you know exactly how to say it and you hit the point just right. And you can just see the crowd, just, you know, right, they take right. in the, the yeah. real money quotes. The flip side is if there's anyone who's seen your presentation <laughs> yeah. before in the audience, you feel like a phony. <laughs> that's exactly it's like, right. Yeah. It's like, Oh, they're, they're going to hear this is word for word. The right. same as my last presentation. Right. Oh, no. Right. And precisely. It's almost like reciting Homer now. You know, yeah. I've just like, I've got <laughs> it memorized. I have that exactly that phony feeling. Like, okay, I got to do something fresh because every mm-hmm. place we go now, not only are we getting like huge crowds, I mean, that that's the thing that has astounded me is that we started out doing this. And I mean, I would drive three, four hours and there'd be like two people show up, you know, and, and that was like the first year of this was like, nobody was hearing this thing, but we were putting all this effort in to try to make it happen. And when we took the first tour, Justin and I went out to California for the first time and all of a sudden we got audiences that were like 50, 60, 70 people. And it was pretty overwhelming. You know, it was incredible. Like, wow. Now it is rare that you don't have 50 people there. Hmm, And the one this week, there was well over 100 people there. They're there. They're engaged. They're excited. It's not like something you had to drag them to. It's something that like they really want to be part of. So to me, there's always a certain number of people that are either members of Strong Towns or have really been following the message. You know, I always have people come up and say, oh, I read your blog all the time. And I always feel like for those people, there's like, I got to give them something more than just yeah, sure. the standard curbside chat. I don't know as I always deliver on that. And that's the thing that I'm like, okay, what could we do? 
Um, <laughs> but I try to mix it up a little bit every time. It's not the same every exact time, but yeah. it's just gotten really tight. Yeah. Well, I would think the Q&A session, I mean, that sounds like a really good idea. That sounds like a great way, especially for the people who have heard it before, to well, just yeah. come back and yeah. have a dialogue with you about it. I think Jim's thing, too, is like, how do we make good use of the time? Right. So if I'm going to go somewhere and I'm going to do this talk in the evening, I'm not going to get on a plane and come home. You know, usually there's a spend the night kind of thing. Right. So instead of, you know, me just like sleeping in, because I'm an inertia person, like I'm late at night and then sleeping in the morning, <laughs> instead of me sleeping in, if I can drag my butt up out of bed and like get someplace and be coherent by 8 a.m., then why not have a Q&A? I mean, it's just going to be wasted time if we don't do it. I can always sleep on the plane. So what the heck? Yeah, some people can sleep on planes. Uh, <laughs> oh, are you not one of them? Skill? No, not really. Oh, I, I like <laughs> I, I can't stay awake on a plane. Uh-huh. You put me in a plane, it's like putting an infinite car seat. There's like no, I can't stay awake. I can't keep my eyes open. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm that way in cars, including while <laughs> when I'm you're driving. driving. <laughs> yeah, it's a real problem, actually. Yeah, that that's not a helpful skill. <laughs> no, that doesn't help me at all. No. So I'm, I'm, I have a little insomnia. I'm gonna go drive around till I fall asleep. <laughs> yeah, I have a, I have this deal. My, my wife is a. Uh, very forgiving person. So we have this sort of deal that when we go on road trips, if we need to drive very far, we actually don't drive on very long trips that often. But when we do, basically I drive in cities yeah, and I drive early in the morning and late at night. Yeah. And pretty much she drives all day if oh, we're wow. out in the country because okay. just, she doesn't get drowsy and I do. So yeah. especially when it's monotonous driving, but, but we will switch every hour or so on a busy trip. If we are going in and out of busy cities, she hates city traffic. Oh, okay. I don't mind. That keeps me away because there's something, yeah, to, something to do, right? We're actually paying attention. It's when you get out on the, the rural highways that yeah. it's nice scenery, but, but I just, you, for some reason, you would have a hard time doing some of the stuff that I have to do then. Oh yeah, I, I know. I, I mean, know. like I had, I, uh, I got off the airplane and then had this horrible time getting through MCO through uh, Orlando and then had this two and a half hour drive to Sarasota. Yeah. It's all audiobooks for me, you know? Yeah, I can do it with that kind of thing. I got to coffee up a little bit and I got to make sure I've got some good podcast material. And then I make phone calls sometimes. I know that's probably not like the world's. No, I do. do but, uh, well, I have a nice headset. Yeah. And that's that. when I return calls and I have a platinum audible subscription. I buy audiobooks like other people like check out books, you know? Nice. <laughs> and yeah, and I double speed them so you can get through like a lot of reading material very quickly when you do what I do. I got to tell you, Chuck, I do that on this podcast. And, you double uh, speed this podcast? Oh, yeah. Big that time. would be... <laughs> yeah. No, but, but here's what I got to tell you. Okay, so I talk faster than you do. Yeah. And I've discovered since we've podcasted together a number of times. Yeah. Now, I've discovered... I can't you do can't it podcast double on the you. ones that right. I'm on. For anyone who hasn't made uh, a podcast before, you think that you would remember what you said on a podcast? No. But you don't. No, you don't at and all. You go, I don't. You go back and listen to it, and sometimes you can't believe what you said. I mean, no, usually been it's, a, it's things that you would say, I mean, because yeah. you did say them, but yeah. sometimes it's surprising, like, oh, wow, did I really say that? On yeah. The, it's embarrassing to me to go back and listen to, like, the early podcasts. Not that the material is not good. I mean, not that I'm like embarrassed of like what I thought, but you know, this whole Strong Towns project is an evolving kind of thing. And part of doing the blog, part of doing the podcast for me is learning and discovering as you go. Mm-hmm. When you have to enunciate something, when you have to stand up and talk about something, when you have to write something, you learn, right? I go back and I listen to the old ones sometimes and I'm like, God, there was like these five like important points that now I understand that I didn't understand Mm -hmm. back then that are like huge gaps in the conversation. Mm -hmm. But the other thing that's funny is that your voice does change over time too. It might be subtle, 
for me, like I'm attuned to listening to that's what I do. And I can pick up all these like variations in my voice. Like, Oh my God, I can't believe I sounded like that back yeah. then. <laughs> and then I also had different gear. You know, you're in the studio right now. We're in the, the podcast studio. And even though all the sound, I've got more of these, these sound buffer things to put up yet. Yeah. But this is not a bad little studio. No, it right? sounds great. And the sound we get out of here is like way it's better. Good microphones. Little filters. Yeah. Yeah. Two years ago, uh, it was like, yeah. Talking into the laptop. Yeah. yeah. It was pretty low quality. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, on the speed of the recordings, I've noticed that, especially if it's you and some people, it depends on who you're talking to, but yeah. it's a lot of people who I can go double speed and, yeah. and it's in a way it's better because it's better. Yeah. People talk to each other at a different speed than when you're purely listening. Yeah. It's like you can absorb it faster. Totally. Especially because you're not thinking about what you're going to say back. Right. <laughs> but yeah, I can't do it to my own. So I, when I, when <laughs> I'm on the, I have to flip the speed back and forth a little right. bit. Right. Well, you're so, listening differently too. Yeah. I suppose so. Yeah. Anyway, it's interesting. But so Chuck, where did you guys go on vacation? I went to California. Oh yeah? Yeah. I'm probably like a lot of people who I love to visit, but could never, we'll live, never there. live there. <laughs> <laughs> I sat down with my family like in October, November, before winter started. You know, we had like the family meeting after dinner, said, Okay, dad's planning this vacation. I plan the spring break, my wife plans the summer vacation. Dad's planning this vacation. What do you want to do? And Stella, my youngest, is like obsessed with pandas. I want to go somewhere where I can see a panda. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, that narrows it down to five places in the U S and then China, <laughs> which is probably not in the cards over, you know, a one week spring break. Chloe wanted to go somewhere where she could see dolphins. So I'm like, okay, now we've narrowed this down even further. My wife wanted to spend at least one day on an ocean beach. So, so San Diego it is. So uh, yeah. So at this point <laughs> things were pretty narrowed down. And then me, of course, this will probably make a lot of people roll their eyes out there, but I wanted to spend some time at a Disney theme park just because that's like other people go to those places and get like overwhelmed and, oh, there's too many people in the crowds. And I go there and it's like my peaceful like haven, you yeah. know, everything's designed nice. The world's not like screaming ugliness at me. I, I like my stuff like clean and fresh and nicely manicured. And I love the place. So California was, we flew into San Diego and did the zoo, took it easy, like hung out in the pool, let everybody swim, went to SeaWorld. You know, now both of my girls want to become marine biologists and work at SeaWorld someday, which I'm fine. I mean, go ahead, be marine biologist. You don't have to. <laughs> sure. <laughs> we'll work out the SeaWorld thing later, but just like, you know, keep doing math and science. That's cool. We spent three nights at like a comfort inn and then we went to this little house on a peninsula where it was like half a block to the bay on one side and then half a block to this gorgeous sand beach, ocean, surfers, the whole deal on the other side. We spent three nights there. We did Airbnb for that. This was my first yeah, time doing cool. Airbnb. What do you think? Oh my gosh, it's fantastic. Yeah. Our hosts were, they had the house next door, saw them once. They came to the door and said, you know, wanted to introduce ourselves and da da da. Otherwise, we just had this whole like little house to ourselves. It's fantastic. We just had a, a great time. And then, you know, it was all day at the beach for two straight days and then half of another one. You know, everybody was thrilled. And then we drove up to uh, Anaheim. Late on Thursday, spent Friday at the theme park and then Saturday hung out and went to bed early because we had to get up like brutally early. We had a 6 a.m. flight out of LAX, which Ooh. 
Yeah. Every time I've ever flown out of LAX has been the most miserable experience, and this was no different. You wouldn't think there would be any traffic problems, right? <laughs> no, actually, it's Los Angeles. I would expect there to always be traffic. <laughs> so we left the hotel at like 10 to 4. Our wow. flight leaves at 6, right? We're 35 minutes from the rent, dropping off the rental car. We left at 10 to 4. Because the last time we were there, we did this, we missed our flight. So I'm thinking, 10 to 4, who is out at 4 in the morning in L.A.? You've got eight-lane highway, eight-lane in each direction. You're going to be able to get there on time, right? So we just got on. I can't remember what highway it was. Got on the on-ramp, and we're like merging on this other highway, and then all of a sudden, the whole traffic has stopped. And you can see up probably like 200 feet, there's like a row of cop cars across the street. And I'm thinking, is this like an OJ kind of thing yeah, where they wait. closed it down? And like, like, what's going on? And we sat there 35 minutes, didn't move a foot. We weren't inching up or anything. They just closed the highway down. I don't know why. Then I got to the point, I told my wife, I said, two more minutes, I'm going to call Delta and just tell them like, look, we're going to miss our flight. I went to put the car in park because I'm like, I'm, and I'm going to, I'm reaching yeah, for surrender. my phone. Yeah. I surrender. All of a sudden the cop cars like peel out and we're moving again. So we got to the rental car place, got our rental car checked in, took the shuttle back to the airport, got to the airport. It's 42 minutes or something like when we walk in the terminal before our plane. Mm. And not to be like a big shot here, but because I fly so much, I'm Delta Gold, right? So I get to go like through the fast line and like the VIP thing. And we mm. just go like, we're right up front, right? 40 minutes before our plane takes off. Here in Minneapolis, if you check your bags in 30 minutes before, you're good to go, right? No problem. Yeah. So I'm thinking Delta's a small terminal. It's right there. We're going to be able to go right up to the front. No problem. We made it. We made it, right? Yeah. Everybody relax. We made it. For some reason at LAX, they have a policy. They said, we're well, sorry, you missed your plane. You're late. And then she said, let me see if I can get an override for you. Because obviously... I'm not dumb. You can still make your plane. No, she called her supervisor. Her supervisor didn't answer. She called her supervisor again, didn't answer. Finally, she goes and like found her supervisor, brought her back. It's like 25 minutes before our plane leaves at this point. And she's like, I'm sorry, you missed your plane. So they booked us on the next one out. The one we were on had a connection in Salt Lake City. The one they booked us on after was a direct flight. So huh. it, we actually wound up getting back earlier, even though we had all this like stress at the airport. Huh. So that was my vacation. Well, it sounds like uh, everything it was fantastic. went well until the end. Until the very uh, end. And even at the very end, you know, it was like... Worked out in the end. So. Yeah, it's like, okay, dad's got to be calm because then everybody else will be calm. Yeah. So let's just chill. No pressure. No, it's good. Well, it's interesting talking about the freeways of Los Angeles. Oh. So I think that's going to actually lead us into our next topic. But since we've had a good time catching up here, uh, yeah. I think what we can do is we can uh, wrap this one as, oh, this a, has been as great. a podcast I, short. Yeah, this has been a fantastic podcast for all those people out there who are interested in like Chuck's vacation. Yeah, there are. there's more than you think, Chuck. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe you not. A, you have a lot of fans. So. Uh, yeah. So for our Strong Towns friends and members and people who are interested in Chuck's life trivia, <laughs> we will take a pause for a minute here and we'll okay. wrap this one up and well, we will pick up. This uh, might be good because then I apologize. The one thing that did rack me for a while, I admit I let it go after like, you know, once you go on vacation... You've got the first like 24 hours where you've got all this, and maybe this is just me, but I think it's a lot of people too. We have all this guilt over all the things you didn't get done and all the things you still have to do and all the things like you left behind, like, oh, did I pay that bill? Did I do this or that? If you're in the moment, if you're on vacation, after like 24 hours, those thoughts start to like fade away, like maybe just when you're going to sleep or whatever. But then after three days on vacation, you get to the point where it's like, you know, 
I'm not going to worry about those things anymore. <laughs> There's nothing I can do now and I'm, I'm just done with it. So the podcast was one of those because I didn't get a podcast out like before I left. I actually, the night before we left, I came into the office. I told my wife, I have to record this podcast before we go. But I was still working on the transportation series. And I'm hearing it's like two in the morning and, you know, we got to leave at six and I still hadn't like done the podcast yet. And I'm just like, I got to walk away. So we'll do this as a podcast short. Yeah, we'll do this as a podcast short and we will aim at all of our uh, fans and members. And yeah, and then we'll do regulars. another one here that this will actually special, have substance. Yeah, special, of- a special bonus <laughs> gift. Yeah, that'll be good. Yeah, so, so if you listen to this podcast hoping for any the, substance. This is the explanation of where has Chuck been? Yeah, I'm sorry. Where in the world was Chuck Marone <laughs> uh, uh, podcast? All right. So we'll wrap with that and we will uh, resume in a few minutes. I'm not sure when these podcasts will be published, but part two of this conversation, we're going to be talking about mobility. So we'll take a short pause and we'll open up that next podcast. Thanks, man. They know that America's one big pothole right now. Chuck Marone, this has been fascinating. The United Nations Earth Summit. Agenda 21. Yeah. World Attraction is um, honoring all the children around the world, and it's done it through a child's eyes, so all people can remember what it was like to be a child. The New York Exposition of 1964 is the greatest World's Fair of all time. For the 1964 World's Fair, Walt was approached by Pepsi-Cola to do an exhibit for the fair for them. Our exhibit called It's a Small World is a salute to the United Nations Children's Fund, a worldwide organization that is working for a better tomorrow by helping the children of today.